Well, welcome everybody. We are glad that you're visiting with us. If you're visiting, we're glad that you're here with us. If you are regulars, either way, please stay after the worship service and uh, join us for some coffee and so forth and our Bible classes after that. Uh, we have several people away right now uh, at the church in Watonga, Oklahoma, uh, putting on the VBS. And if you walked in this morning, we don't normally have Noah's Ark and uh, Mount Sinai and other things on display, but we do this week because uh, we wanted everybody to see what VBS was like this week. It was great if you weren't able to attend any night this last week. Uh, it was wonderful. Many of us dressed up and looked silly, uh, and it was totally worth it. Uh, I'm happy to have done that. Um, the kids uh, know that I was sad. I missed Abraham, but I got to see the other famous people that showed up. It was really fun. Um, and thanks to everybody who participated in that. There were some, there were some fantastic, fantastic ministry done this last week. Thank you to everybody who participated and all those who are still away doing more ministry out in Watonga. Um, so this is the last of this series that we've been doing. This is, this is a series that I had promised myself for like three years to get to. So I really, I've enjoyed having a chance to do it for myself. I hope it was good for you, but it was really good for me to to, to work through these explicit passages, and I didn't get to all of them, but these are the ones I really wanted to hit, these explicit passages where God or Jesus promises, when this happens, I will be there, or I will be with you when this takes place. I'm in this when this happens. And this may be the biggest one that we're ending on. It has to do with love. This, um, this week, we're starting a new school year where I work at Oklahoma Christian, where my full-time job is. I'm teaching two sections of freshmen, 100-some-odd brand-new freshmen. First, first Bible class they'll be taking. And we're going to do, you know, we're going to introduce them to the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, in one, in one Bible class. It's going to be real fast. But the other thing that we have set ourselves as a goal in that class is to get them, wherever their background, some of them are, have been to church their whole lives, some of them have no uh, connection to Christianity at all and not much interest in Christianity. They came to OC to play sports or whatever. Uh, or everything in between. But whoever they are, we are asking them to ask themselves this question. What are you doing here? And I don't mean, we're not asking them, what are you doing here in this class? Or what are you doing here at OC? We mean, what are you doing here? And we got a bunch of different ways to ask that question, a bunch of different exercises to get at that. What are you doing here? I'm going to ask them about their major and why this major important. You know, well, I'm going to use it. I'm going to get money and I'm going to have a career. Yeah, but why? What's that for? I'm going to ask them, you know, what, 
what kind of things do they want to teach their kids and what kind of people do they hope their kids will turn out to be if they have kids. Yeah, but why? What's that for? What are you hoping that will turn out to be like? What's all that aiming toward? What's that aimed at? What's your life for? And Christians, we have our answer from our Lord on that. It's not ambiguous at all for us. Somebody asked Jesus that question, and he told us. And if you have your study sheets, you're already way ahead of me. But if you don't have your study sheets, I want everybody that has a Bible to turn to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40. Matthew 22, 35 through 40. You can swipe to it, I don't mind. The word of God comes through electrons just as well as it does through carbon particles. So it's fine. It is media neutral. Matthew 22, 35 through 40. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You want to know what your whole life is for as a human being? Jesus just told you. Right there. You want to know anything that's gone wrong in your life? Somehow, someway, it gets back to one of those two commandments being messed up. By you or by somebody else. No kidding. Everything hinges on those two commandments. Our human design plan, what humans are built for, our human design plan is to reflect the love of God out into the world and back up to God. That's what God built us to be. When he says, I want humans to be made in my image, It turns out God is love. And so he built you and he built me to be lovers. If I am a bazillionaire, but I don't learn to love God and you, it profits me nothing. If I earn 27 Oscars, but I don't learn to love God and you, I am nothing. 
if I sell more records than Taylor Swift and Michael Jackson together, which will probably never happen, by the way. And I don't learn to love God and you. I am just a clanging gong. That is what humans are built for. That's what this world seems to be built for largely. Is to, is to teach us that God loves us. And for us to learn to love God and to love each other. That's what we're here for. Everything else is under those two. And there's lots of other stuff, too, obviously, but all of it kind of finds its unity under those two commands, Jesus says. Everything else kind of fits under those two concepts. And, and John, when he's writing, he says things that are close to this in his gospel, but he says it explicitly here in his letter. John says, this is God in you. <laughs> When you love. This is when God is in you. Look what he says just in 7 through 10. Go Turn over to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. We're going to spend the rest of our time in that chapter of 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 10. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to go on in a minute, but I want to stop right there at that last phrase. This is love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If we did a survey today of, you know, a statistically correct sampling of Americans and said define love, I'm not sure we would get a consensus. I think people would be all over the board. Love means bringing me chocolates. Love means leaving me alone when I'm in a mood. We get lots of answers. But John says, here's what love is. 
We don't have it yet as human beings. We're, we're, we're in training to get it. We're in training to develop it better. God is love, and he has showed us love lots of different ways. You got up this morning and you took a breath of air and it kept you alive for another second. That was God loving you, right? You took a bite of food and you were able to chew it and your teeth, you know, chewed it up so it didn't choke you, so you didn't die. That was God loving you, right? He's been loving you all the time. But on top of all of that, the normal creation love that God shows you every second of every day, you put your foot down on the ground and instead of launching yourself up into space because gravity's gone, you, you stayed on the ground, stayed down here where the air was because God loves you. But on top of all that creation love that God does for you all the time, God said, I want them to really get it. I want them to really understand it. And so, and plus they need this, he sent his one and only son, the unique God in flesh, Jesus Christ. And if he had just sent his son just to teach us and say this is what God's like, that would have been amazing. That would have been an act of love that we didn't deserve. But he sent his one and only son to die in our place. To be sacrificed for us. So that no matter what happens in my life, and no matter how badly things go, and no matter what tricks Satan plays in my mind and what doubts he plants in my brain, the one thing I can't truly ever say is, I don't think God loves me. Because God loves me enough to send his son to die for me. Right? I mean, God loves me. He loves me that way. And he says, when I want you to, when I say love me, and when I say love your neighbors, I'm talking about that love. Jesus on the cross love. That's what love's like. That's what love is. So we're not ambiguous. We're not clueless. We know what God means by love. The sacrifice of Christ shows us that real love means giving up our desires for the good of those we love. What did Jesus want in the Garden of Gethsemane? What did he beg God for in the Garden of Gethsemane? Please let this cup pass from me. What's the cup? The cross. Please don't make me go to the cross, Father. I don't want to be crucified on that cross. I don't want my body to be torn and beaten and destroyed on that Roman cross. Please, Father. Please, Father. Nevertheless, 
not my will, but your will be done. Not my desires, but yours. That's love. That's how love works. That's what love is. Now, you're, you're never going to be Jesus. <laughs> I'm never going to be Jesus. But we, we have the trajectory that we're on, right? We have, our, we have our game plan. We know where we're headed. This is, this is who we're called to imitate. Real love is that love that says, not my will, but God's will. Over and over again. And sometimes it's God's will to love God, and sometimes it's God's will to figure out how to love you. But it's always that. My desires taking the back seat so that something else can get done. And John says, that's what God's like all the time. That's what God's like all the time. Look down in verse 19. If you're there in chapter 4 of 1 John, look down in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. Back up in verse 11, he says it this way. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. That's an interesting one. That's, that's, a, that's a little bit psychological what John is doing. He's saying, in one sense, it's harder for us to love God than to love each other. Because God's so all-consuming. And no matter how great the needs of each other are, they're not all-consuming needs. God is all-consuming. That's a harder task. But in another sense, it's super easy to love God. Super easy to say, I love God. There, I'll just say it. I love God. There. That was easy. But if I say, I love you, I got to put meat on the bones. Right? You guys can test that. And that's what he's pointing to. It's one thing to come to church and say, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. But I really can't stand Clem. And that's what John's calling us on when he writes this. I don't know if they had somebody in the church in the first century named Clem, but that's what he's calling us on, Right? He's saying, don't pull that. 
Because these two things, if they're, if they're healthy, these two things are supposed to rise in you together. That doesn't mean that we don't stumble. And this is not, this is a trajectory. This is, this is something that's growing in us. It's not a all or nothing deal in any of us. It is a growth process. So we're going to stumble and we're going we're gonna to be partial. But, but this is what we're meant to be. And if you're growing in your love of God, you're going to grow in your love, true love, self-sacrificing love for the people around you. That's just, that's just the way it's going to work. This is one reason, this, this, this duty to love each other, this is one reason why several of the aspects of Christianity are so important and why Jeremy and I preach about them all the time. And you get tired of hearing it. When we say, you know, you need to read your Bible, and we say, you need to be praying, you need to be talking to God about your own life and your sins, you need to be confessing your sins to God, we say, you need to come to church, you can't lay off church, you need to be here with the brothers and sisters, you need to be in Bible study. When we say those things, you may just be hearing, yeah, I know, okay, checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. They're not just checkboxes, guys. Those are things that allow you day after day and week after week to, to let God show you things that are out of balance or where growth has stagnated. And they are often things that allow you to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm off kilter here. They allow me to do that all the time. Where I realize, yeah, I'm preaching love up here on the pulpit, and I got some, I got some anger. I was in conversation earlier this week with a brother, and I was confessing to him certain. Well, honestly, it was some media figures that I really, <laughs> I, I need to pray about. <laughs> I just need to pray about. But you know, that's what being with. Being with the church and being in the word and being in prayer helps you do. And that's why it's really, these things are important. Because God is trying to teach us how to love. Satan has a thousand ways to tempt us how to hate, doesn't he? He has a thousand ways to tempt us to hate. The love of God in us can overcome Satan. Satan is tricky. Satan, this is horrible, but it's true. Satan will use your Bible to teach you to hate somebody. If, if you're not careful... He will, he will use your Bible to fill your mind with thoughts only of how bad other people are because they're not doing this or that or the other thing that's in here. Now, it's bad when people disobey the Bible. That is bad. I don't like it. shouldn't like it either. But the point of the Bible is first, 
What log is in my eye? And if I'm real careful about the logs in my eye that the Bible is revealing, it is very hard for me to grow in hatred of the specks I see in other people. The love of God can protect me from the tricks of Satan. I was in conversation the last few weeks with somebody, and I'd been in conversation with this person for a month or two, finally came out. This person had undergone really horrific abuse as a child. This is not anybody that any of you would know. Just really terrible abuse from a family member. And I immediately went back over all the stuff I had said unknowingly to this person that might have caused them accidental pain. Because you can do that, you know. Somebody who's been traumatized, you can say things that accidentally make their life worse. That's true with lots of kinds of trauma. We've got people in this congregation who've been traumatized because of the color of their skins, who've been targeted, I think, because of the color of their skins. And if you've never been targeted because of the color of your skins, it's easy for you to say things that can be traumatizing, and you don't even know it. You don't know. The only way to find out is to have conversations. That's the only way I ever found out with this person, is to have conversations. That's, that's the only way it ever turned up. I, um, I have a problem when I have conversations. Maybe you have this problem too. I will listen to about two sentences and then I want to talk. Actually, it's not even true I listen to two sentences. I listen to one sentence and then I, in my mind, it looks like I'm continuing to listen, but I'm actually formulating my reply. And I don't think that's love. Sometimes the important thing to do is to actually listen, is to actually hear. I mean, I don't think I helped that person that I was talking to very much early on in our relationship. I think uh, the only help I gave that person was when I finally let that person tell the full story without, you know, butting in with my brilliant Jim Baird opinion. And sometimes that's what, that's what needs to happen. That's what needs to, people just need to be heard sometimes. And that's loving. That's loving. Satan has all kinds of tricks to put us on opposite sides of all kinds of things. He's all kinds of tricks. 
I mean, I, we could just go around this room, and I guarantee in every life here, there are people who have legitimate gripes with folks in their lives over various, it could be personal issues, it could be work issues, it could be political, it doesn't matter. Everybody in here has legitimate pain been inflicted on them by others. And I will also guarantee you this, though you can't see it, Satan wants to use that pain someone has inflicted on you to turn you into a hater. <laughs> wants to turn you into a hater. One of his tried and true methods to do that is to say, you know, I forgive him. But not really. I'm waiting for them to come and apologize. I'm waiting for them to make it right. And until they do, What's it going to be like on the day of judgment to stand in front of Jesus? And he said, I gave everything so that you, in your sins, could be made clean. How did you do with loving your neighbor as yourself? So, well, I did pretty good, but there was this one person. I let it depend on them whether or not I would love them. I put all the power with them. I decided they needed to make the first move. How do you think that conversation might go on the Day of Judgment? Now, there are some people you cannot make peace with. Paul admits as much in Romans chapter 12. As far as is possible, be at peace with all men. I mean, that Paul knows you, there are some people you can't be at peace with. And there are some people you can't be very close to. And that's true. But as far as it depends on you, your attitude is like God's attitude towards everybody. The most wicked people in your life, what you want for them is what God wants for them. That's what love is. And to the extent you have the capacity to do it, without making yourself vulnerable, without getting yourself further hurt, to the extent you have the capacity to do it, you try to bring about God's will in their lives. That's what love is. Even if it's expensive, you do that. That's what love is. And there's a bonus for that that John gets to down in verses 16 through 18. John 4, verses 16 through 18. And we know and rely on the love of God for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. He says there's this inverse relationship to how much you are learning to give up your desires, not give up yourself, but give up your desires for the good of other people and the good of and the love of God, the more that that's happening in you, the less you're scared of the day of judgment. That's what he says. It's an inverse relationship. As we grow in self-sacrificing love for God and each other, we grow in confidence of our salvation. Because what we're growing in, it turns out, based on what he said earlier, is God's actually working in me. This is actually the Holy Spirit acting in my life. I'm actually seeing love growing in me and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and all the other fruit of the Spirit. It's all happening. God's making it happen. My desires, not totally, not 100%, not perfectly, but my desires, I'm seeing them recede when other people's needs are coming to the fore in my thinking. And, in, and I really do want what God wants in the lives of other people. I'm wanting that. I'm trying to make that happen at my expense frequently. And so I'm not, I do have confidence that when the judgment day comes, God will be found in me and I will be found in God. So that's the benefit of of giving in to my God-given design plan to be a lover. Love God first with everything I've got and love all people as I love myself. That's what we're for. That's what God calls us to. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that calls us to love as he loved, to love as you love. God, help us to reflect back your love back to you and also to reflect your love out into the world. Help us to be true images of you wherever we are, in whatever circumstances, whatever people are doing to us. God, help us to reflect your love, not their hate. God, please give us the strength. We're not going to ever do it perfectly. We know that. We know who we are. We know what we are. But God, more you and less of hate in the world. That's what we pray. These things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you need to respond to God's invitation, if you need prayers or help, if you need to receive baptism, we invite you to come as we stand and are led in song.